0: an honor. It is a real privilege to do anything for God. I don't know about you, but I always feel unworthy whenever God allows me to speak. I know who I am. I look in the mirror at this dude every day, and I know this guy has got issues, but somehow God in his mercy overshadows those things and still allows me to say a word on his behalf, and I just want to thank my Lord and Savior for saving me. I also want to thank your director, Adam Ramden. He is a friend that goes way, way, I won't tell you how far back. Let's just say it's 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 like donkey years as some of the old people say. We go way back. Um, I love him. I, I just thank God so much for his ministry, for what he's doing through lineage all around the world. And for all those who work with him, I thank God for Sam as well. I was able to meet Elder Sam Walters, who's just a wonderful person on a program we did together. And so God has been good. And then just listening to Esther sing, You know, he's made a way out of no way, way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, Lord have mercy. She doesn't even know, she can't possibly know how powerful that song is. You gotta do some living. You gotta be in in, in the grit of life a little bit to really understand how God really does amazing things for us. Thank you so much, Esther, for that beautiful, beautiful rendition of those two wonderful songs. All right. Well, those are the commercials. That's the commercial. Um, Let's get down to the word of God, if that's all right by you. Now, I understand that you have been focusing on a theme of endurance during this week of prayer. I don't know that, that I can say anything that you haven't heard already this week. I'm pretty sure of it. But if you have heard it, consider it confirmation from God. Consider it that God is saying something you need to hear and he's saying it again. Okay. When God When when we don't hear his whispers, he screams. He screams to get our attention. My message today is entitled Finishing Strong. And you're going to know this scripture the minute I say it. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You know by now I'm speaking of the Apostle Paul, 2 Timothy chapter 4, 7, and 8. He's writing to a young man in ministry, and he's telling him, I got it done, baby. I finished it. I did what I was supposed to do, and I kept the faith as a part of that process. This is a message I have spoken before, but I felt impressed to share it today. I don't know why, but this is what God is putting on my heart. Let's pray, Father God, speak to your children in your name and take every bit of the credit, amen. They call him the perfect human. That's what one magazine in the US called Wired. That's what they call him. Um, and he should be considered an amazing human for a lot of reasons. Uh, 99% of the world's population doesn't even know him, but to a very rare little sliver of human beings, uh, people who run ultra marathons, they know him. He is a sort of hero to many of them. How did he get this way? Well, it's quite simple. He ran and ran and then he ran some more. That's how he got this title. This man has pushed the limits, even in his youth. At the age of 12, for instance, he hiked from one side of the Grand Canyon, the American Grand Canyon, to the other side. That's a distance of some 18 miles, 29 kilometers. Amazing as it was for a 12-year-old to do that feat, uh, that's not why people worship him at least in the ultramarathon community. It is the extreme distances that he runs now which have arrested people's attention. Ultramarathon runners run distances in excess of 26.2 miles or 42 kilometers. They run everything after the marathon is over. That's the classic marathon distance, 26.2. To put it in perspective, this man has run in one race 350 miles. That's 583 kilometers and he did it in 84 80 hours and 44 minutes and he did it check this out without sleep he completed a race called the relay that's what they called it just the relay he did it on 11 separate occasions and here's the kicker now it is a 199 mile that is 320 kilometer run that is supposed to be a team event so members of a team run one section, another member runs another section, another member runs another section. Uh, he ran it by himself. And on 11 separate occasions, five times he finished in the top five of that race by himself. As great as those feats are, it is one, there is one other feat for which he has become famous. It is something he called the endurance 50, the endurance 50, And in the Endurance 50, Dean Carnassus, that's his name, gained worldwide fame for running 50 marathons in 50 straight days, ending at the New York City Marathon. When he completed the feat, he decided for good measure that he would run from New York City all the way home to California, a distance of some 3,000 more miles. But then his family members said, that's enough. That's enough. He started running. They said, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope. you got You got to quit now. That's enough running. And his family members begged him, come off the road and come home. A man on a run. They were missing him. Do you run? Are you running? While most of us regular humans, human beings will never run a marathon, let alone an ultra marathon, it bears noting, this morning that warriors in the battle of life don't have an option, they have to run. Warriors cannot choose whether they run. Warriors can only choose how they run because every warrior in the race of life runs. There are a few biblical characters I think who could reasonably understand the mindset of an ultra marathon runner, but if there was one that person would be the apostle Paul. Paul's first century Christians of Asia Minor knew what it meant to run long distances. They celebrated both the Olympic and the Isthmian Games, the the latter being held near Corinth in the the city in the year before and after the Olympic Games. So they'd have the Olympic Games, but the year before the Olympic Games would be the Isthmian Games, and the year after that would be the Isthmian Games, all of which had feats of endurance as a part of, of the Games. Corinthians believers were athletic enthusiasts accustomed to watching feats of speed and feats of agility and feats of strength and feats of endurance. Paul knew it. In an effort to speak their language and provoke them to a life of faithfulness to God, Paul likened the believer's spiritual life to a race, a cogent metaphor that his readers would understand. Paul urged believers that they must run, and not just run, but run to win. Everyone who competes in the game, says Paul, 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 25, uh, has to have self-control in all things referring to those athletes uh, that that Corinthians were likely to see running through their towns from day to day. They do it, Paul says, to receive a perishable crown or a wreath, but we do it for an imperishable crown, an imperishable wreath. Our wreath doesn't break down over time. He wanted the believers to know that how they run, how they chose to run the race of life would have eternal consequences. Paul, whom tradition holds, uh, was short. And of diminutive stature, uh, he was not the most handsome or comely person, was nonetheless an athlete in his own right. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the apostle shares his running technique, his, his game, his running game was on fleet. Therefore, I run in such a way, he says, not as someone without aim, I box not as someone who just beats the air, verse 27 says, but I keep my body under. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bring my body into subjection, lest by any means, after I have preached to others, I myself might be a castaway. No, baby, I run right. I run to win. I keep my body under. Notice Paul says that that he does not run with uncertainty, unsure of why he's in the race. He has a single minded purpose. He has a single minded focus. He has a single minded destiny, a single minded desire. He disciplines himself to endure. Come on, talk to me. Endure until the end. He disciplines himself to win the race. I keep my body under. When my body tells me, It doesn't want to get up and run. I get it up and we run. I keep my body under. When it tells me it wants donuts instead of dandelion greens, when it wants cake instead of kale, we eat dandelion greens and we eat kale. I keep my body under under. When it tells me that it can't go another mile, I push a little further because I keep my body under. When it wants to play, stay up late on IG and and I put it to bed early, I keep my body under. Can I keep it real this morning? When it's crying out for someone I know I shouldn't be with, I keep my body under. When the flesh is at war with the spirit, with God's help and by his grace, I keep my body under. To win this race, says the apostle Paul, we must be disciplined. Some habits will have to be sublimated, some desires subdued, some passions subsumed by higher and nobler aspirations. To win this race, the course runs through a city called Under. Have you been to Under? Have you run through? Under all, but this race is worth the effort, says Paul. It's worth winning, it is the best race that you could win in life, young people. And I'm praying today that all this week, that all you have got, that it has equipped you to run a little better this race we call life. Over the course of his life, the apostle Paul internalized and employed this sporting motif when speaking about the Christian life, for instance. He picks up the same language of the games when he delivers his valedictory address to Timothy, his son in the faith, sitting in a Roman cell with a death sentence hanging over his head. Paul knew that the end of his race was near. Nothing quite concentrates your mind, beloved, like when you know the specter of impending demise is at your door. Take a moment and picture this with me, if you will. Paul's letters to Timothy are his final will and testament to this young man whom he loved. Second Timothy is his final epistle before his martyrdom in in AD 67. It is a deeply moving affirmation of his unwavering faith and unyielding love for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is penned under great duress. Dude is in trouble. Paul had arrived in Rome on his appeal to Caesar. Acts 28 and verse 16 tells us that he was handed over to the chief of the Roman prefect a, 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 who assumed him a soldier. Paul was given some freedom, unlike other accused malefactors. but it was typical in that day for a soldier to chain himself to the prisoner shackled wrist to wrist. Escape was well nigh impossible. So Paul was probably writing 2 Timothy while chained to a Roman soldier. Would you mind? I could hear him. I could see him in my mind. Would you mind giving me a little more chain, bruh? Just a little more chain. Uh, w- what do you think about this line? I'm, I'm writing to a young man who is new in the faith and, and, and I wanted to know the most important things in life. What do you think about this line? I have fought a good fight. What do you think? I I have finished the course. I kept the faith. I I, I want to tell him how to end right. So I'd like to begin with the end in mind. I I want him to know how to run his race so that he can win. What do you think about that line? I wonder what Soldier says. Now, Lest you think that this did not occur. Let me remind you that throughout Paul's many imprisonments, soldiers who attended him often gave their lives to Jesus Christ. That is, the, that, that, that is the, the, the chains that had imprisoned Paul had never imprisoned his witness. Uh, even though he was chained, his witness was always unchanged. Paul never allowed what he was going through to sabotage who he was in God. We are going through some things right now. As Naomi mentioned for the last eight, nine months, we have been chained. COVID-19, Dorona, as they call it in some places, has chained many of us to our homes and our apartments and our places. For some of us, it's it, the, the, the chains are, are, are things in school. For some of us, it's some situation in our body. For some of us, it's some habit that's dogging us. For some of us, it's some evil person on our trail. For some of us, it's some demonic stronghold in our life. You might be chained to it for a while, but don't let it chain your witness. Tell of the love of Jesus. Tell what he's done for you. Tell how he saved you. Tell how he made a way. Sing about it like yesterday. Talk of his goodness. Tell of his righteousness. Tell of his holiness. Tell of his loving kindness. Tell it. Tell it in your chains. Walk around and dangle them so that people know I still have my praise and I still have my witness. I am unchanged. He was not Superman. The apostle was not. He was not immune to the reality that he was facing. Though lonely, Second Timothy 4, verses 9 to 22, though lonely, he was lonely, though lonely, Paul seemed to transcend the hurried pangs of death. He says to, to Timothy, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the end, the time of my departure has come. I know I'm going to die. I'm not sanguine about it, but I know it's coming. He tells young Timothy this, this, these words in an effort to help him, to, to encourage him, to speed up his visit. So come soon, Tim. I don't think I have a whole lot of time. Paul had been running his race for many years, and he wanted Timothy to know that through the power of God-given endurance and grace, Paul had won the race. I'm not dead yet, but I won already. I'm not in heaven yet, yet I won the race. Everything is not right yet. I, I, I still won the race. They're going to cut my head off, but today I won my race. Paul shared with his young friend three accomplishments, three ways of running, three things you got to do in order to finish strong. I know you got a good start, Timothy, but how is your finish, Timothy? The blueprint for finishing strong. The first thing the apostle Paul says is, I fought a good fight. I fought a good fight. The the original language is much better than that. It is that the correct translation is, I fought the good fight. 2 Timothy chapter four and verse seven. Some fights, you know, beloved, you just can't avoid. I remember when I was in junior high school, there was another guy named Dwayne who was messing with me. And and, and you know how kids get everybody wanna, you know, they wanna put us together. A Dwayne and a Dwayne going at it is like, you know, the best thing, you know. So we after school, we all met up. Dwayne was out there. I was out there. It was a fight I could not avoid. They wouldn't let me come to school unless I fought this guy. We rolled around in the mud a little bit. He felt bad. I felt bad. And we just kind of let it go. Some fights you can't even get around, no matter how much you try. You may try to avoid the fight, but the fight comes to you in the early days of World War II, this nation that you are actually in right now. England watched anxiously as Europe fell to the Nazi war machine. Winston Churchill gave three remarkable speeches, I know you guys know them, to convince his country that this was a fight worth fighting. It wasn't a fight he chose. Certain phrases from these speeches have become famous now and they are etched in the mind of people who know a little bit of history. Churchill said this, I have nothing to offer in one speech but blood. Toil, tears, and sweat. What is our aim? Our aim is victory. Come on, church. We, we shall fight them on the beaches, he said. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. We gonna fight. Churchill, Lord have mercy. If we can stand up to Hitler, men will say this was their finest power. England was facing a fight that came to them. They didn't choose it, but they weren't about to refuse it. They could only choose whether or not they would fight, not whether or not the fight would come to them. The fight was coming whether they wanted it or not. The fight was not optional. Standing up to Hitler was not just a fight. It was the right fight. Lord have mercy. I don't know if you heard me. It was not just the fight, beloved. Young people, it was the right fight. In King James, in the King James Version, you know, the Apostle Paul translates that thing as the right fight. Paul didn't just fight a good fight. He fought the good fight. Get this now. Paul chose to run hard in the right race. Paul chose the good fight, the, the right fight. Well, what is that fight? First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12 clues us in. Fight the good fight of God. Faith. The good fight is the fight of faith. It is a fight worth fighting more than any other fight in your life. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. He wrote to the Ephesian believers, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The Christian life is a never ending struggle against evil, not an earthly military campaign, but a spiritual battle against Satan himself. This is why we must, the Bible says, put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand young people in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand. Lord have mercy. I mean, if you come this far and you go through all this trouble and you don't go to parties and you don't eat certain things and you don't drink certain things and you don't smoke certain things, the least you can do after all of that, you might as well stand. Come on and stand. The first thing you need to know, beloved, if you're going to finish strong, young people, is that you got to choose the right fight. You got to fight the good fight. Pearl's first claim here is no ordinary statement. After all, there are numerous fights in which humans engage. Humans fight for all kinds of crazy stuff. Right now, there's a madman in my country fighting for an election that he already lost. People fight for all kinds of stuff. Countless men and women bend their fleeting energies to climb the ladder of professional success. They depend on a mixture of intellectual acumen and educational preparation and innate ability and dogged determination to set themselves up for life. For this, they fight. For others, it is the fight of the Epicureans' pursuit of unfettered pleasure, five-star vacations, sexual conquest, delectable meals. For these, they fight. In the face of these contests and a thousand others like them, Paul says, in effect, not only did I fight a good fight, but I chose the right fight. Ellen White wrote, writes of Paul's Christian uh, uh, choice, though through his long ser- term of service, Paul had never, listen to her now, Paul had never talked to a Monty Ellen, Paul had never faltered in his allegiance to his savior, Never. Wherever he was, whether before scowling Pharisees or Roman authorities, before fury the furious mob at Lystra, or the convicted sinners in the Macedonian dungeon, whether reasoning with the panic-stricken sailors on the shipwrecked vessel, or, or standing alone before Nero to plead for his life, he had never been ashamed of the cause for which he was advocating. My God be lost on 21st century Christians, that Paul's fight exacted a great toll on him. He paid for the fight. That same old lady writes this, Paul knew that his warfare against evil would not end so long as life should last. He knew going in, I'm not going to, this fight, this this fight I'm in is not going to run out real easy. I know I'm going to fight until the end of my life. Ever he realized the the need of putting a strict guard upon himself, that earthly desires might not overcome spiritual zeal. With all his power, he continued to strive against natural inclinations. Ever he kept before him the ideal to be attained, and this ideal he strove to reach by willing obedience to the law of God. His words, his practices, his passions, all were brought under control of the Holy Spirit. The apostle never stopped sharing the gospel, neither did he shrink from responsibility. Which brings us to point number two. The apostle Paul, Not he didn't just fight the good fight. He didn't just fight the right fight. The apostle Paul, number two, finished the race. If you're going to finish strong, beloved, you got to fight right fights. And the second thing you've got to do, if you're going to finish strong, is you got you to make sure you finish your race. The race of life will exact the toll, but with God's help, we still can finish strong. Listen to Paul. I paid a good price now for this fight. He says from the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one, I still ran. Three times I was beaten with rods, still ran. Once I was stoned, still ran. Three times I was shipwrecked, still ran. A night and a day I have been in the deep, still ran. In journeyings often still ran. In perils often still ran. In perils of waters still ran. In perils of robbers still ran. In perils of mine own countrymen still ran. In perils of the Gentiles still ran. In perils in the city still ran. In perils in the wilderness still ran. In perils in the sea still ran. In perils among false brethren still ran. In weariness still ran. In toil still ran. In sleeplessness often still ran. in hunger and thirst, still ran, in fastings often, still ran, in cold and nakedness, still ran. I run. That's what I do, because I'm a warrior, and warriors run. Apostle Paul, through all of his challenges, my young people, if you are going to finish this race, you must get your endurance up, You got to settle it in your mind that nothing is going to stop you from running your race. You have to run in all circumstances and all kinds of trials. You can cry if you have to groan, if you have to yell at God, if you have to. But whatever you do, don't stop running your race. We must run. It is not optional. Why did Paul not give up? He wanted to finish the race. Paul wanted to get the job done. Here we hear again the servant of the Lord. Uh, Auntie Ellen tells us this. It was this single-hearted purpose to win the race for eternal life that Paul longed to see revealed in the lives of the Corinthian believers. He knew that in order to reach Christ's ideal for them, they had before them a life of struggle from which they would be no release. Not until they saw Jesus. He entreated them to strive lawfully, day by day, seeking for piety and moral excellence. He pleaded with them to lay aside every weight and to press forward to the goal of perfection in Christ. Run, 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 Corinthian believers, run. Paul knew that running the Christian race offered a better prize than the games of his day. The competitors in the ancient games, wrote Ellen White, after they had submitted self denial and rigid discipline, were not even sure of victory after they went through all that trouble. I want to tell you something. Most of these people during this time, when they would run, they would run naked. They wanted nothing to prevent them, nothing flapping around, nothing wearing on them, nothing holding them back. They ran in the nude so that they could get to the finish line. They didn't want anything. Can you imagine that? Get that picture out your mind. Lord have mercy. That's how serious it was. But they were not even assured of victory after all that effort. Know ye not, says the Apostle Paul, that they which run in a race all run, but only one receive at the prize? However eagerly and earnestly the runners might strive, the prize could be awarded of only one person. One hand alone would grasp the coveted garland. Such is not the case. Come on, Ellen, come on. Such is not the case in Christian warfare. Not one. Who who complies, oh Jesus, Jesus, not one who complies with the conditions will be disappointed at the end of the race. Oh Lord, have mercy. Everybody wins in the race that is run for God with faithfulness. We must understand that the race of life, it will not be easy. Those who win are those who finish, those who win are those who finish. Not, this race is, is not given to the swift, Ecclesiastes nine eleven, or to the strong, but he that endureth until the end. No one will finish unscathed, untouched, unharmed, or unmarked. Those who follow Jesus Christ must be prepared to run through the heat of summer, that's persecution, or the blinding chill of winter, that's loneliness. We must never stop running, no matter the cost, endurance required. While Paul had fought a good fight and the apostle had finished his race, it was the third accomplishment that made it all meaningful. Ah, the third thing, the third way, the third thing he pulled off, the third counsel to Timothy is what made it all worthwhile. Timothy, he seems to say, son, if you would finish well, you must not just fight the good fight. You must not just fight the right fight, Timothy, uh, you, you must not just, um, you know, keep, uh, uh, um, um, uh, fight the good fight, you know, or finish your race, Timothy. That, that, that's not good enough. Uh, you're not there yet until you keep the faith. It's as if Paul is saying, uh, um, in this race, there's a good chance that, that, that you could lose your faith. But, but if you finish with your faith intact, you win. Jesus said it best, Luke 18 and verse 8, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus wondered at the final analysis, would there still be people on the planet who still believe in me? People who can be bought or sold. Will there still be people who live like me, who don't just have a faith, but have the faith of Jesus Christ, who have the testimony of Jesus Christ? Are there people who will still have this faith? Paul says, I have kept. Yeah, 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 I, I, Tim, I, I still have it. They, they're going to cut my head off, but I still have it. They beat me, but I still have it. I was shipwrecked, but I still have it. I was jailed, but I still have it. I suffered some things from people. Nobody got my faith. I still have it. Do you have your faith? Where is your faith base? Who has your faith? beloved, to keep the faith in this world in which we are presently living, and I'm closing now, is no easy task. Now more than ever, faith is under fire. I remember when I ran the Marine Corps Marathon 2018, my first marathon, hopefully not my last. When I ran that marathon, I started about 16 week weeks out and just decided to do it and that's not recommended you really should take more time than that to build a foundation to run a marathon but I figured I just I just go and so I got a training plan beloved I started running young people I got up early in the morning I would rise in the morning at two and three in the morning for my runs before work one time I remember I, I stepped out on the road one morning this was after when I got close to the race I had a 22 mile run ahead of me I got up like two in the morning and just packed, put my back, put my stuff on, got my fluids, got ready, and just started to run. I I wanted to make sure that when I got to the race, that the endurance was in my body, that my legs were prepared, that my mind was prepared. And any long distance runner will tell you, it's not your body you gotta fight, it's your mind you gotta fight. And if your mind is strong, it will overcome your body. You got to tell your body some things in the crucible of trial in a race that it has to listen to and do. And it only comes by preparation. It comes by long runs, not given to the swift, but he that endureth until the end. I knew that I would finish because I had faith in in my preparation And in what I had done to finish that race, during the race, I got injured. A friend of mine was running. He got sick. I stopped with him, and my, my hamstring tightened up. I couldn't run anymore. But I was so determined to finish, I hopped and hustled and pushed myself to the finish line in that race. The faith was still with me when they put that thing around my neck. I still had my faith in the preparation that I had done do you still have your faith? Paul knew what it meant to have faith tested, but he also knew what it meant to keep the faith. How'd you do it, Paul? Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet no not, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. That's how I kept it. I live by it. That's how I keep it. I live it every day. That's how I keep it. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I kept the faith. Why did you do it, Paul? Because without faith, it is impossible to please him because he that cometh unto God must first believe that he is and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. I kept the faith. Paul, why is it so important to keep faith? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, and faith is the evidence of things not seen. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. I kept the faith. I kept the faith. I kept the faith. I kept the faith. Paul didn't get tired. They beat you, Paul. Didn't you get tired? They scourged you. They put you in prison. Now you're about to die. Paul, aren't you scared? I'm a little scared, but here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. I have finished and I have finished strong. I didn't mail it in, I didn't turn it in. I didn't give up, I didn't ghost it, I didn't fail it, I didn't quit it, I didn't step aside, I didn't step down, I didn't retire. I didn't resign, I didn't leave. I didn't bag it, I didn't chuck it. I didn't break off, I didn't break up, I didn't cease. I didn't close, I didn't conclude, I didn't end, I didn't leave off, I didn't fall off, I didn't taper off, I didn't pause, I didn't halt, I didn't stop, I FINISHED The race, and I finished strong. I was in it to win it. Young people, I came to ask you this morning. I know you got a good start. How did you finish? How's your endurance? Are you running low? Are you running out? If you are, I want to ask you, tie a knot on the end of that rope and hold on just a little bit longer. Press your way in this race of life. Continue to trust God. Paul had endurance and he would not give up until there was laid up for him. A crown of righteousness, he says, which God Himself will give me, and not just me, but all those who love His appearing. I want my crown. I I want it handed to me by God Himself. We must fight the good fight. We must fight the right fight. We must finish the race, and we must keep the faith. In ultramarathon, man. This same guy I talked about, Dean Ultra ultramarathon man, his book, Confessions of an All-Night Runner. He says this, "I, I run because long after my footprints fade away, maybe I will have inspired a few to reject the easy path, to hit the trails, to put one foot in front of the other and to come to some conclusion, the same conclusion I did, that they would come to the same conclusion I did. What's the conclusion? He says, I run. Because it always takes me where I want to go. I run because it always takes me where I want to go. Beloved, this morning, where is your running taking you? Where is it taking you? Where are you running to? Do you know where you're going to? I'll close with a little story. This week, I got a call two days ago. From a husband and wife that I love very much. The man, his name is John, has known me for many, many years. When I first started working, he worked at the place where I worked, took me under his wing, encouraged me, taught me how to be married, helped me to walk in my journey of life in faith with the Lord. Just a good friend, older friend who had been around my family forever but now he's dying and I got a call from his wife and him on Thursday he could barely speak but he wanted me to know that he loved me he wanted me to know that there's a good chance that I might not speak to him again but he wanted me to know That he still loved and trusted God. That even though he is staring death in the face, he is at peace. He is at rest because he fought the right fight. Because he finished the race. And his faith is still with him. He kept the faith. As we hung up, book my heart. But if you're going to finish If I'm going to finish, I want to finish like him. I want to finish knowing it's all still with me. Father God, I lift up your young people, each and every person watching today. All of us are running, God, but I pray that we will not be weary that we will not stop, that we will endure until the end. For those who endure until the end shall be saved. So help us, God, to finish and finish strong, no matter the start, no matter how we failed. no matter where we have let you down, no matter where we have sometimes come up short. In this moment, God, and at this time, I pray that we will not cease to run, that we will simply finish, for everyone who finishes receives the prize. Thank you, Father for blessing these precious young people. Continue to keep them in the shadow of your love and care. In Jesus' name I pray. May all of God's people say, amen. God bless you.